Today in Flex in the City, we talk to Pips Bunce, Director of Investments Banking Technology, Credit Suisse. She brings a colorful perspective of positivity and authenticity to financial services. All that happening right now in Flex and the City. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Flex in the City. I have to say I'm really excited today because I am interviewing the wonderful enigmatic Pips Bunce. Pips Bunce, for those of you who don't know, is a the Director of and Head of Investment Banking Technology Engineering Strategic Programs at Credit Suisse. Needs a long business card for that one, Pips. And uh, she is also the culture carrier across the financial services industry and beyond, and a formidable member of the LGBTQ plus community. A big welcome to you and thank you for joining us on Flex in the City, Pips. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's, a, it's an absolute pleasure and an honour to be here. I'm very much looking forward to uh, chatting with your good self. Absolutely. So, so you know, love to hear a little bit about your your story, um, hear, you know, where you grew up, a little bit about your story and how you came to be doing the job that you're, you're doing. Okay, um, where shall I start? Well, I, I guess I've always sort of been in sort of out the Essex Suffolk way. So I grew up in some sort of little towns out sort of Frinton and Colchester and you know, kind of out, out that way. I think from a from a work perspective, even before work, I'd always been very interested in, uh, I guess, you know, interesting but complex technical challenges. So I was always drawn to hmm. technical side of things and IT and, you know, trying to solve problems. So I guess, you know, I always liked that aspect. I think as a natural part of that, I was then drawn as once I finished school and university and degree to firms that could give me an opportunity to really sort of embrace those complex systems and challenges that come with that. So, you know, I, I started at British Telecom Research. I went through Bank of England and UBS and Executive Director at Goldman Sachs. And now at Credit Suisse, where I've been for um, a good 15 years or so, you know, because I think that natural progression of those types of firms, and there was others on the way as well, they really did give me, you know, a nice platform and the ability to embrace the bits of, you know, technicality and IT and problem solving which really, really interested me. I think, you know, along the way, I've certainly picked up a lot more things that interest me as much, if not far more, that complement that work as well. But I think that's where my my background and why I've come into this industry, where that route and journey has taken me. Fantastic. And you're um, obviously a key member of the LGBTQ plus uh, community. For our, for our listeners, are you able to say a little bit about your story about when you, you actually came came out? Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm definitely a proud member of the LGBT community. I think from a personal perspective, you know, I always knew I was different from a very young age, and that was probably four or five years old. I, you know, I'd like and I'd know what I had, but I'd also be asking my parents for different clothes and different toys. And I knew even from that incredibly young age, I was perhaps different to some of my other friends around me. Um, Family and friends, you know, have always been incredibly supportive and loving, and I've had the ability to, you know, find out who I am and what I need and mm. different forms of expression. I think from an identity perspective, just to clear that up, you know, I'm, I'm gender fluid and non-binary. So what does that mean? Gender fluid, I don't know how I'm going to express on a given day until I wake up. You know, some days I'll wake up and I want to express more male, other days more masculine, more feminine, other days indifferent. And again, I don't buy into gender stereotyping for 
agendas. I just use that to explain to people that my yeah. my expression from the outside world changes. From a identity perspective, I'm non-binary, so I absolutely do not identify purely as male or purely as female. You know, I'm a mixture of somewhere in between. So both of those things, non-binary and gender fluid, part of the wider trans spectrum of identities. Um, but I guess from a, a work perspective, you know, that in itself involves then having to come out in the workplace and making sure that you feel that you're in a, a safe space, making sure that you feel included, making sure that you, you know, you are okay taking that step to come out authentically because that's such a big thing. And I think in terms of being a culture carrier, you know, I'm very proud of the work that we've done at Credit Suisse to create a, a very open and inclusive space that is, you know, everyone can be and is able to be their true authentic self. We've got over 6,000 mm. active and engaged LGBT plus allies. And, you know, allies really do make the difference in the workplace. They're the people that create and foster that environment where people would feel safe and supported to come out as their authentic self. Um, I guess, you know, beyond that, I definitely do a lot of work outside as well of CS. I'm ambassador for Stonewall, outstanding diversity role models, trans in the city, P3, Jerez, UN. And, and I'm incredibly proud of that work because I see the difference that it makes in the workplace. You know, not just the financial services, but also across other sectors as well, because I think everyone knows, right, that a, a much more, you know, diverse environment, whether it's sexuality or gender identity or ethnicity or neurodiversity, any form of difference creates such a more open and diverse different set of perspectives for that company. So very proud of the culture that we're creating. And outside of that, I also, you know, speaking in parliament, working with the government equalities office wow. and a lot of external firms, you know, about, yes, the work we're doing at Credit Suisse to foster this environment, but also just, you know, educating other groups, other people about, the different identities, the challenges, the nuances of those different identities and how people can step up to create that authentic and inclusive environment because it makes such a difference. I'm curious. Thank you for sharing what you're doing at, at Credit Suisse. How, how do you think that inclusion agenda really impacts the sustainable performance of Credit Suisse or any other organisation that embraces that? Okay. That's a good question. I think it has a massive impact. You know, I think, you know, even at Credit Suisse, we've done all sorts of equity research and looking at different portfolios of LGBT inclusive companies, as an example, and just cross comparing how they perform to companies that are not as, as engaged in this type of work. And, you know, you see time and time again that the, the firms that really focus on different forms of inclusion, again, in this case, LGBT inclusion, far outperform and are doing much better. Why is that? Because, you know, no one wants to work in a firm where everyone looks exactly the same. Having diverse mindsets, having different opinions, having different forms of people is such a powerful thing, right? It's bringing together different ways of thinking. And, you know, those groups are much better to work in. And the companies, as a result, are much more effective and productive and, yeah. you know, profitable as well. So I think, you know, firms have really for quite some time, thankfully, really latched onto the importance that creating an inclusive culture and different forms of diversity is not just about making things nicer for staff. It's also much better for the firm, for the brand, for the franchise, for what they stand in and the impact that all has. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love that you've mentioned profitability because because that that's important, and I love the fact that that sustainable performance can create that profitability. So, so as you know, um, Flex in the City is all about leadership. Um, I'd love to know: has there been a leader either outside of financial services or or inside of financial services that's that's really inspired you, Peps? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of people that have given me inspiration. And I think, you know, when you're in a place where you're perhaps different type of people, and especially if you haven't come out and, you know, you, you draw on that inspiration even more, you draw a source and inspiration from what other people have done. I think a few people that were spring to mind, and I think, you know, I'm honoured to say that all of these three people or whatever I'm going to say are very good friends of mine as well. I think one, I would say Lord Michael Cashman, you know, he is amazing in terms of what he stands for he's one of the co-founders of Stonewall he's done so much in parliament and European parliament and he's made such a difference to so many different communities across the world but what I love about Michael as well is he is so accessible he's approachable he's humble he will step up and make a difference you know he's there he's not someone that's so many stratospheres away from you and I'm just you know impressed by his manner his mindset and all that he's achieved I think closer to home in the financial services sector. I guess a couple of people, again, that I find incredibly lovely, great friends, but also inspiring. Julia Hoggett, you know, she used to head up large parts of the FCA. She's now CEO and over at the London Stock Exchange. Again, what Julia does, what she stands for, she'll stand with you, for you, by you, and make such a difference that that inspires me. But it also, you know, gives people the confidence to come out and be their authentic self. And I think another good example, you know, Jim Fittling, CEO of Dow Jones, someone else that I have a lot of respect for because A, what they've achieved in their you know, professional capacity, but also the fact that they've stood by the power of authenticity, the power of being a true authentic self and how that has really made them a much better leader because of the, you know, the ethics they stand by. Fantastic. And, and, and so what, what motivates you as a leader? What are your own core values? Um, pets? What what's get, gets you out of bed every single morning? Well, it's definitely not the cold mornings and the, uh, the icy starts. <laughs> I'm definitely struggling with those. I, I think what really motivates me, what's my core values? I think one of the biggest things that drives me is just the ability to make a positive difference. You know, the ability to help influence other people to make things better for people to, you know, whether that's from a leadership perspective or the teams that you're working with, or whether it's, you know, people peripheral to you, you know, I've personally, I've lost several friends through suicide and they, they took their lives because they felt they'd never be accepted for who and what they are. And, you know, I want to create a world where all of the corporate workplaces, whether it's financial services or whatever is open, is inclusive, and people can be their true authentic self. You know, I don't want people to feel that taking your life is a better option than Mm. being true to yourself. So I think for me, making the positive difference to others is so important. I think using our platform, using our voice to make that difference and to help other people is really, really important. I think valuing the different perspectives from those around you you know that's so rich in Mm. terms of what it gives you you know really appreciating the different forms of diversity can bring and how that makes the transactional world of finance particularly so so much better 
I think, you know, for me, they are some of the key things that really drive me to be a better leader, to stand by my ethics and at least put those things of leading with empathy and compassion and humility and sincerity, those things that really mean a lot to me. I think when you correlate and put them into practice in how you run projects, how you run initiatives and streams and whatever, makes a big difference, not only to the successful outcome of the work that you're doing, but also the impact you have on those that you're working with and around you. You know, people respect a true, authentic leader that will listen to them, gives everyone a voice, gives everyone a seat at the table. Absolutely. And so if I was to give you the power of a beautiful magic wand and you could wave it and, and change something in financial services overnight, what, what might that be? Oh, where do I start? No, that's a really good question. I think, funny enough, some of the things I would say have begun. You know, we are start, if you look at now compared to five, ten years back, you know, the much better focus on forms of difference and the fact that we are, you know, slightly different. And yes, we're all the same, but uniquely different. And the fact that financial services are now catching on to the fact that diversity pays, diversity is a good thing, it should be encouraged across all forms of diversity. I think I'd definitely like to see more progress on that thing. I'd like to see, you know, I see some sectors, I see some firms doing much better, some firms doing much more than other firms. I guess my magic wand would be to, to try and bring every single sector and firm up the ladder, to try and make sure that every single firm are not doing it as a tick box exercise, that are not pink washing or green washing or whatever, theme you want to look at but they're doing it because they genuinely believe and they generally stand by the difference that this makes and I think you know in doing so all those firms would work more together as a collective to help drive the positive change in the workplace in the sector but also across society so I think speeding that up right I think you know love will always win over hate and I think firms working together to make that difference makes a big you know is so so much better Absolutely. I wonder if you could help some of our listeners, Pips. We use the words diversity and inclusion. And I know we went on a webinar quite recently and you gave a beautiful answer. So I'd love if you could give that beautiful answer and explain, in your opinion, what the difference is between diversity and inclusion. One of the examples I love is, you know, diversity is being invited to a party and inclusion is then being invited to dance. You know, it's being part of the group, but then also being involved to participate and to talk and to be included in the discussions and feel that you're in a safe space so that you can talk about lived experiences and the things that need to change. You know, I think it's all about creating that safe space. It's about fostering a sense where everyone feels they belong, irrespective of their form of difference, right? whether it's their ethnicity or sexuality or gender identity or you know, mental health or whatever. Everyone needs to feel that they are being invited into the workplace and that they will have a seat and a voice as part of that. That's the inclusion part. I think you, know, you, can't, you can't foster inclusion of people unless you have the diversity of people to be there and I think once you've got diversity and inclusion you then can create a sense of belonging you can then work on the culture where people feel they are part of the conversation they are part of the company and you know they are respected for whatever they might be however difference their form may take I think there's a very big stark difference but they are so closely intermingled and then when you start looking at intersectionality and intersections between different forms of diversity that also is such an important and key thing that quite often can easily be overlooked by some firms. 
Absolutely. So I've got a question. We, we, we obviously um, work with a lot of leaders and we have a lot of leaders who, who, who come and, and, and they speak to us and, and, and you know, they, they, they want to become an inclusive leader, um, but they say, oh, I'm a little bit af- afraid of tripping up or saying the wrong thing. Or what advice would you give those, those leaders that are, are a bit fearful, Peps? That's a really valid point and definitely something I really think is important to talk to. I think it's much better to have those conversations. It's much better to engage in those you know, dialogues and start understanding the landscape and the different forms of diversity as an example. It's much better to do that than just to worry and step away from the conversation and not be part of the solution. And, you know, yes, it's it can be scary because different forms of diversity are, as you say, often a minefield in terms of inclusive language and things that you can and should say or, you know, and no one knows all of this stuff. So for me, I would always say it's better to engage in the conversation in a well-meaning manner. And, you know, if you get things wrong, whether it's someone's pronouns or identities or whatever, it's better to do that apologize move on and learn from that experience because you will then be engaging in that conversation and part of the solution um yeah that, that, i think that's the main but thing I'm gonna example. positively intentional and clunky than do nothing at all exactly and, and there's a very clear and i think it's very easy to see right if someone's saying things that are wrong to, it, with the intent to cause upset or offense you know you can very clearly tell the difference between that versus someone that has made a genuine mistake but that mistake was coming from a good place because they wanted to talk to you because I, I very much believe in learning from other people's lived experiences what have they had to deal with what's their journey been how have they been supported what what difference has diversity made to them how have firms given them the ability to you know step up as leaders so I think yeah. if you stepped away from all of those conversations you would shut down so much of your empathy humility and ability to learn yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to talk about younger people now. You have two children, a 21-year-old and a 24-year-old. Wow, they grow up quickly, don't they? They and sure do. They sure, sure do. Um, so question, do, do your uh, kids understand what you do at work? Do they have a clue what you do at work? They they do, actually. I, mean, I think with my, you know, a lot of my day-to-day stuff and the technical programs and all that, so, you know, they have an idea of what my job involves and, you know, some of the meetings I do and the sort of stuff that I drive. So I think they do from that perspective. I think more so they're on the culture carrier side. You know, they, they have probably more visibility into that because they are just so proud of the changes that we're driving, the difference that we're making. And I think the younger generation in particular, you know, the levels of acceptance and importance and focus put on this type of thing is just ramping up and up more and more as you get, you know, to newer generations and the younger workforce just expect and demand, rightly so, so much better from firms that they want to work for. So I think that, yeah, kids definitely, they know a lot of the stuff I do. They definitely know a lot of the, the culture champion and diversity side because, you know, it's something they care much about. They've always been the best allies ever. And I think, you know, they know the importance of this stuff. Absolutely. No, it's true. The young people certainly do. Um, And they can help educate us, which is wonderful. Um, So what advice would you give to a young person who's maybe starting in financial services? What what would be um, your advice to them about their their career and, and how they show up? 
how they show that's such an important thing and, that, and that's very well put I, I think my main bit of advice and i think it would be advice to my younger self as well is you know always make sure you show up as your true authentic self you know do not do not put a facade on on what you think the firm or the company is looking for because you know you being authentic you standing by your ethics and what you believe in and what you are that is so important that's so powerful so i would say to them you know be proud be take pride in who you are in what you are and never shy you know never never hide your true light because a i mm-hmm. think people interviewing you can see through that it has a huge impact on how you come across and how you form relationships so always be your true authentic self um you know try and get a a good feel for what that company's ethics are what do they stand for and a lot of this you know you won't get from the, the sort of the PR stuff from the firm, you need to look at what they're pushing out on social media and what causes they've stood by and really get to grips with what the company you're looking into stands by and how does that cross compare with your own ethics? Is that, you know, are they the key things that you care about and want to make a difference towards? So, you know, it's, it's a two-way thing, but I would say definitely put a lot of focus on understanding where you're going, who you're speaking with, you know, are they right with what you believe in? And, you know, I, I love the fact that the younger generation honestly have so much more vision as to what they get from companies. I mean, taking LGBT as an example, most of the millennials and u- universities we work with, over 20% of them identify as LGBTQI. So one in five, much higher prevalence. Okay. 12%, 12% are identifying as gender non-conforming, so trans, non-binary, gender fluid. Much higher amount of people being open and out about their authentic self. The last thing you want to do is work for a firm where you will feel you've got to push yourself into a mold that's not your true authentic self. And 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 so help help me with this. You know, one of the things that we want to do at Flex in the City is um, get younger people really interested in the industry. And we've come across a few you know, graduates this year, and we'd ask them, you know, are you interested in financial services? And the answer was no. Well, you know, you've got a first class degree in economics. Why aren't you interested in financial service? Well, it's a bit grey. Now, picture anything but grey. What does the industry need to do to to attract more of this wonderful talent that's out there? That's a good one. I I think Many of you know many companies, etc., particularly in the financial services, need to really get out there and speak with you know the recruitment firms, the events, the conferences, and shine a light on the stuff that they are doing, the work that they're putting, why they're focusing on these different forms of diversity, and you know make a clear case to the the younger, fresh pipeline of talent that they as a firm are not this stuffy traditional transactional firm that don't care about the environment or diversity or whatever, and make people aware that they care about these important factors and you know because i think that's often mm. the case there's a real stereotype of the financial services being a very conservative old-fashioned group mm-hmm. of people and you know you have to look like this to work there and generally you peel below the covers and a lot of the key leading firms that's not the case at all it's just right. that there's a real disconnect between what the company stands by and are focused and are doing versus the perception from the younger generation and as we know perception is reality so it's really a case of joining those dots and making sure that the the younger fresh pipeline of talent get it and they know that that company actually do care about this stuff they might not have been aware of it and there's different ways they can do that right that can be media it can be social media it can be arms it can be graduate recruitment fairs it can be i do a lot of work with the london social economics and you know there's so many groups you can work with to help spread the word of the good stuff that you are doing to your pipeline of fresh talent. 
but we definitely need to work harder on changing that perception because yeah. there's still <laughs> it's a, oh. looks like we've got a PR and branding exercise to work on there yes but yeah definitely. absolutely so you're a leader how do you facilitate the growth of those people around you Pips one of the best ways is I always work really hard to make sure that everyone has a voice and is heard, you know, because you get different people from different you know, perspectives and cultures and whatever. Not everyone is that very vocal person. So it's really important to make sure you create a team or a meeting or an environment where everyone does have their voice heard. You know, because I think we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. And <laughs> you should be, most people should be doing so much more listening. So making sure that all team members do have their sort of perspectives and ideas etc heard and taken on board i think that's a really important thing i think using your own platform to empower other people that's an important thing i think as leaders one of the main things that we are here to do is to do just that it's to lead it's to give support to our team it's to make sure that they are supported in what they are focused on and what they're doing and you know it's, it's very easy for a lot of leaders to drop the ball on that one so I think definitely making sure that those that you're working with, irrespective of you know their seniority or rank or whatever, we need to make sure that they are supported and they're part of the work that we're doing. And you know, listen to them because I think it's really, really important to, to bring on board all of those different diverse perspectives. Because there's a lot of like ways that we can do that. Absolutely. And so when you're not working hard on the day job and when you're not doing all of this incredible ambassador work and when you're not with your family, is there anything else that you love to do? Some of the other hobbies. I mean, I love, I love my motorcycle racing or motorbike racing. Um, so driving probably not, not very safe motorbikes and a lot, quite a speed junkie. I guess that's one thing. Um, I love... Do you have a Harley Davidson then, Pips? Um, I have a Yamaha R1, so it's, oh, a, yeah. a Yamaha. it's, a, it's a fast one. I, I, I love it. No, I find it quite therapeutic. <laughs> a lot of people would say riding a motorbike is not therapeutic. <laughs> I think also like composing, writing music, playing the keyboards, I absolutely love that. Yeah. But I must admit, a lot of my advocacy and activist, activist work, you know, that does take a – because it's a real passion of mine, I want to make the world a better place. I want to address those levels of suicide and the things that we're seeing. You know, I, I do also put a lot of work, time, and focus into that because I find that so rewarding. I love it when you yeah. get so many people reaching out, even from schools and primary schools and secondary schools, sharing with you the impact you've had to them. They're often people you wouldn't have been aware of. I think that's the most rewarding thing ever. So what's the piece of music that you, Pips, would compose for the financial services industry? Oh. oh the tough one to end with there, Pips. I, I, I really don't know. I would come up with my own composition, I think. Something um, upbeat, because I think I, I like to think that we're heading in the right direction. We've come a long way from, if you look back five, ten years, you know, we have made so many massive strides, particularly in terms of ethics and culture and all, all the things that make a big positive difference. So I'd say it's going to be something upbeat, but still with a lot of room for improvement. But um, how I would transform that into a an actual piece or a, a named bit of music i don't know i think i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> we'll take that one away together. we'll have to get a band together well shouldn't we there you go let's do that i'll take that away and let you know rachel i'll have to think about that but it would be something positive because of the progress we're making um absolutely i love the fact that it's got an upbeat melody and uh and 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 fun 
Um, we you know, need some positivity. I think, you know, in the financial services sector particularly, I think we definitely need some, uh, an injection of positivity will be much appreciated. So Pips, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart and from the heart of Flex in the City for being your authentic self um, and to Credit Suisse for um, giving us this fantastic opportunity to speak to you um, today. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and an honour is all mine. Um, we've been lovely chatting with you and uh, thank you so much for being so welcoming, Rachel. And um, please keep up the amazing work because honestly, kudos and respect to you because I know you do so much making things better for so many other people. So keep shining bright, Rachel. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. You just listened to Flex in the City. Catch us on our next episode.